All right, so we're on. Um, this is Community Conversations. It's an opportunity for the community here in Solano County to get to know some of the leaders that we have uh, around the county. And um, I'm starting the, the podcast with a number of people who I know from around the area, mostly in Fairfield, uh, to start out. And I thought it would be awesome to get you on on this podcast somewhere early, and it turns out you're episode one, yeah, John Harris. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> um, and, and I mentioned on our last ep- episode that it was uh, uh, the space uh, is here at Liberty Church, and okay, yeah, um, and that we were really appreciative of mm-hmm. of the opportunity to have a space that's uh, kind of neutral and we can bring people to sure, and, and sure. do this, and so that's been really helpful and uh, John is the person who's helped set that up and and given us this space to use for a while so we're really appreciative of that. Yeah, no problem, no problem. And I always remind everybody too that even though I'm the public information officer for Fairfield Susan Unified School District that uh-huh. the, the things that I say are not necessarily the opinions of the school district, they are uh-huh. my own opinions. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I do this outside of work hours so that uh, I have the opportunity to talk about things that maybe I might not otherwise be able sure, to talk about sure, yeah, in my yeah. official capacity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so if you want to make that disclaimer too, that's up to you <laughs> no, for your organization. But yeah, um, I'm, I'm good. All right. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, John, um, I, I really appreciate you coming and um, hopefully this will be just an opportunity to kind of talk about what's going on right now, what kinds of things that you're uh, doing, what you're working on, and I'll ha- I have a number of questions for you sure, sure. Um, to, to get a sense of, of, of those things. And first off, I'm kind of curious, how long have you been uh, here at Liberty Church as a staff? <clears throat> uh, came on staff January 2011. Oh, really? Yeah. So I started with the school district in January oh, really? 2011. Yeah, so yeah. It's been almost eight years. So, yep. So I started uh, kind of part-time because I had started my terminal leave as a chaplain in the military. Okay. So I was coming out of the Air Force, and so I was on terminal leave. So I was here part-time from January to, like, March, uh, and then March full-time, just, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And ha- how does that work, uh, being a chaplain in the military? Is that a full-time oh, gig yeah. yes. for you? So uh-huh. you didn't have another kind of, another job nope. or anything? That was your yeah. full-time Yeah, active duty is full-time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so from... Um, from June of 2002 to March 2011, active duty. Okay. Yep. Oh, wow. All right. Yeah. And, and were you stationed at Travis Air Force Base mm-hmm. most mm-hmm. recently? Mm-hmm. Were you there the entire time? Or? No. I, I, I went to seminary in Memphis, and then I was a hospital chaplain, like, intern at a hospital in Memphis. Uh, and then I went on active duty uh, in 2002 to uh, Hill Air Force Base in Utah. Okay. Yeah, so I was at Hill Air Force Base for three years, and then I went to Korea, Osan Air Base, for mm-hmm. a year, and then I came to Travis. And so I was here at Travis for um, about five, almost six years. Okay. Yeah, 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 almost six years. That's a good long time. Yeah, it is. At uh-huh. one base. Yeah. Okay. So I was, I was in the Air Force right out of high school. Okay. Um, okay. And uh, I joined in 1990. Really? Yeah. Really? What'd you do? Uh, computer systems oh, right. operations. <laughs> okay. So yeah, <laughs> that's where okay. I got my start in my career. Okay. Uh, nice. Really was working with computers mm-hmm. and 
technology. And I was stationed for two years at um, Torrejon Air Base in Spain, wow. right outside of Madrid. Okay. And that was a really good assignment. Uh, yeah, I bet um, it was. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. <laughs> um, although it was during the Gulf War, so there was some. There was uh, a couple okay. of months there that were pretty pretty scary. Yeah. Um, but uh, and then I spent the last two years at March Air Force Base okay. down in the LA area mm-hmm, mm-hmm, by Riverside. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's interesting. Huh? Yeah. Did, did you tell me that before? I don't know. I don't, I don't think know so. that I've ever told yeah, you that. I don't yeah. think so. Okay. Yeah. And I, I came through Travis Air Force Base one time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm originally from Bakersfield, about <laughs> okay. four and a half hour drive yeah. south. Yeah, yeah. And uh, um, I came through Travis Air Force Base uh, coming home for Christmas mm-hmm. on leave mm-hmm. uh, once. Mm-hmm. And I took hops all the way from... Um, military plane all the way oh, from uh, yeah. Spain to Dover on the East Coast. Had a little layover oh, there, yeah, yeah. and then got in another one and took me to Travis Air Force Base, uh-huh. and that was as close as I could get to Bakersfield, which sure. you know it's about a four and a half hour drive. But what I found out when I got here, this was you know back in 1992. Mm-hmm. Um, what I found out when I got here was that they're the only bus that went from Fairfield to Bakersfield stopped at every little podunk town along oh, the way. Oh, wow. And it was going to take 12 hours oh. to get from Fairfield to Bakersfield. Oh. And I'd already been traveling for a long time. Yeah. So I called my mother and, and I said, <laughs> it's going to take 12 hours on bus for me to get down there. You know, you guys could drive up and get me. And take me back in less than 12 hours, right. or at least we'd yeah. like be able to be together, you know, for half of it <laughs> right. and talk in the car and stuff. And she didn't, they didn't want to do that, but um, she, I think they would have if they had to. But she said, let me try something. So she called a, a recruiter mm-hmm. in Fairfield, an Air Force recruiter okay. in Fairfield, and said, you know, here's the situation with our son. You know, really want to get him home quickly. <laughs> what, what's, you know, what options mm-hmm. does he have? Mm-hmm. And that guy um, came and picked me up at the bus station in his own car and drove me to Sacramento okay. so I could get on a plane. At that time, they had uh, flights oh. that went between Sacramento and Bakersfield. Okay. They don't anymore. But yeah. uh, at that time, they did. And I was home like in three hours total from that point and and I owe it all to a really nice recruiter yeah, that was in Fairfield yeah. and that's all it's the only time I'd ever been in Fairfield before we moved here huh. uh, before I applied and and um, interviewed and then moved here yeah so it's kind of interesting yeah that that because when you hopping from Spain all the way oh yeah all the the downtime and the yeah yeah you ready to get home yeah really definitely <laughs> I was definitely out. tired of traveling <laughs> And I wanted to be home, mm-hmm. so um, yeah. So that that's really cool. So so you started here, um, sort of in a in a part time capacity, or in, yeah, in just for a little bit. Yeah, it was just kind of um, you know while I was still um, uh, wait, when you're on terminal leave, then, I mean you have like some days off that you're kind of like burning, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so you're still getting paid. Like it's like paid time off. But you've ended your last work day. So there's time that you're, I think I had like 60 days that I was just hanging out. You're right. Yeah. So I started, um, you know, started getting oriented to he- being here and, um, you know, knowing I was going to be like full time when, when March came. So I was kind of hanging out either getting involved in ministry and things like that. But, um, 
Uh, so yeah, yeah, just just a couple months and kind of getting you know a couple checks at the same time. So mm-hmm. that was cool. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> yeah, I think when I got out of the Air Force, I um, I woke up one morning and I was about a, a week or two out of of being separated, and I realized. I have to get a job. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I literally no forethought there. <laughs> so that was that was pretty bad. Yeah. Um, but uh, so did you? Um, you you're you have a particular role as a pastor. I know there's multiple pastors here at Liberty. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your role right now? Um, I would say I wear um, about about three hats. So the, so one is. Uh, executive pastor. So we have two executive pastors. Um, so as executive pastors, I oversee, um, used to oversee like the entire staff. So our senior pastor, Pastor uh, Pastor Richard and Joan, they, you know, they, they steer the ship. And then I just kind of make sure that operations or things are happening, like, you know, anything that the staff needs to do what they need to do um, and things to help move the whole organization forward. And, and align up to vision and, and stuff like that. So so we're getting to a place now of growth where I was like, okay, as executive pastor, what I need to do is we need to shift from uh, from a senior pastor, executive pastor, and then the whole staff to having an executive team. Mm-hmm. So taking my role as executive pastor and then dividing it up and creating another executive pastor to oversee a whole large chunk of, of the ministry here. So, so executive pastor um, has been uh, one of my hats for a few years, as well as teaching pastor. So, um, we used to have a Wednesday night service uh, every, every, every week, and so I was a teaching pastor at that. And then, um, with uh, our senior pastor, has a passion and involvement with a lot of global endeavors. So, churches that are in Liberia, China, um, Philippines. Um, even some stuff in Romania, and we send teams to those different areas. But when he goes, um, he's gone maybe a couple of Sundays, then I teach also on Sundays. So like this past, um, uh, he just got back from a trip to the Philippines and Liberia. So I was, share, I was sharing the word uh, on, um, on Sundays. But recently in September, we ended our, our Wednesday service to start a Saturday service. Okay. Yeah, so so I don't teach every week anymore in the Wednesday. So now we kind of have a different rotation for the weekend services. So now there's a Saturday um, at six, and then Sunday morning there's three English ones, eight, nine thirty, eleven thirty, and then a Spanish one that we started around June of this year um, at two o'clock. Yeah. So there's that hat, and then there's the uh, local outreach piece. Okay. Yeah. So executive pastor, Which that's the teaching one I'm pastor, with yeah, most, local right? outreach, yeah. <laughs> so when you see me as you know local outreach pastor, I'm out doing different things. Yeah, there's other stuff that you know happening uh, internally. Um, so a few years ago, I mean, so local outreach has been a, a part of Liberty's DNA. I think since the very beginning, mm-hmm. it's, it's like 27 years old now that has been here that started here in Fairfield with Pastor Richard and Joan. And so there's always been this this um, this outward. Uh, focus to be involved in the community to, to just love on people you know to, to share the love of God to let people know that they're valuable that that they're loved that there's hope you know for these dire situations that some of them are in um, and so when I came on staff um, a few years ago um, there were there were a few things that were happening um, but many of us as pastor were, were focused on other things and so there wasn't a direct focus 
on, on uh, driving outreach, although we had several outreach ministries that had, you know, Mission Solano, and we still do stuff at Calm Blessed Homes. There's three of them that we do ministry at uh, in, in Vacaville and Fairfield, prison ministry and things like that, but we weren't involved in the schools. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so getting involved in the schools about four years ago now, that was a new endeavor for us. And, uh, you know, in times past, I think there were some attempts made to try to do some stuff, but there wasn't, um, at, there wasn't an opportunity at, at, those, at those times that there is now. Hmm. And so, um, so yeah, we've just been fortunate to kind of start off with that and, and you know, things have been rolling, you know? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. <laughs> they have. I mean, when you, when you say that back then there wasn't quite as much of an opportunity, mm-hmm. um, what does that look like? Was that, was that because um, schools weren't as open to that opportunity or was right. it partly because of um, the church's readiness uh, to do that? Or No, um, there, at that time, uh, and I don't even remember the name, but we, we didn't really try multiple schools. Mm-hmm. We just tried one and uh, just said, hey, we'd like to set up an appointment to connect with you about school. All right, well, let's, we'll, we'll talk at some, some point. And it just kind of, you know, it just never really materialized. And so I thought, okay, well, maybe, you know, maybe not, maybe later, maybe now's not a good time. So, um, but, so coming back around here a few years ago, it was just a different ball game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just a different ball game. Well, I think maybe that probably has something to do with the fact that our school district established a position that's focused on community engagement. Perhaps, yeah, 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 right? yeah. So, and that well, would have been four and a half years ago that Sheila started in that position. Okay. And and she was um, really like the linchpin to help get this whole thing started. Yeah. So w- w- what ended up happening was I, I had a conversation with Pastor Richard and Pastor Joan um, about about us uh, connecting with the schools, right? It was just an idea. And, um, and so we kind of tossed around that idea, like what would that look like? So mm-hmm. even for us, we had like these things in our heads like, well, I mean, there's a thing there with school and church and separation right. church and state, like all <laughs> right. this stuff to kind of navigate, you know? Yeah. And so like, what, what will we do? Like, what, what could we do? What would they allow us to do? I mean, mm-hmm. just all that. So, you know, it's like, well, we gotta have a conversation first. Like we can't just come up with all these answers in our, in our head. So what ended up happening was, uh, we have a, one of our members, her name was Lori Gaines. Mm-hmm. She's friends with Sheila. Okay. And so PSA, um, uh, you know, they started with, I think, fifth to eighth graders when they first started. So right, as they're moving right. through the years, now they, now the kids are old enough to drive. Mm-hmm. So there's a small parking lot at PSA. So, um, so Sheila was talking to Lori saying, yeah, we got PSA. PSA wants permission for their juniors to park. To start parking in this yeah, area. Yeah, start parking here. Yep. Like, who would we need to talk to? And so Laura's like, oh, it's probably Pastor John. So there's a few emails going back and forth. So when I saw Sheila's signature thing on her email, mm-hmm. it says Director of Community Engagement mm-hmm. and Administrative Services. I, I said, because you want to talk about the parking lot. Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about the parking lot. But let's talk about more than the parking lot. What else can we do? So, I mean, that's literally how the conversation got started. Yeah. And I thought, man, because I didn't know who to talk to, I, you know, who's the point of contact for that in, in the schools. And so... Um, so yeah, we sat down and talked, and, and so she connected with um, Lori Halcom, mm-hmm. uh, the principal at PSA. We sat down and just kind of did like a needs assessment, you know, you know, like what what kind of things um, 
what's happened over there? Where, where can we serve? Where can we help? And certainly the parking lot thing was like a no-brainer. Like, yeah, yeah, no oh, big yeah. deal. Easy. And so I was like, well, Sheila, I mean, you know, we PSA's in our backyard. Fairfield High School's in our front yard. I didn't know Simeon was over there at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, in my mind, it was still another building off of out, that you right. can see off the of Parkway. Yeah, on the uh, on the uh, the other side of of. Uh, Air Force Park. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was on that side. Now that's yeah. Dover. Right, right, right. Academy of International so, Studies. So, yeah, so I didn't know that was that they had made those different arrangements. So I was like, well, I want to, you know, connect with the Fairfield High School. So she said, oh, we can set that up. You know, the principal is Kristen Witt. And so, and, 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 and also mentioned Semietta. I'm like, well, well yeah, yeah, let's bring them all in. So, so me, uh, Pastor Lonell, who's our senior high pastor, mm-hmm. uh, sat down with, um, with Kristen Witt. And, um, and and Sherry Sherry McCormick, uh-huh. she was a principal at Simeon. Yeah, at she was at Simeon at the time. And uh, and and Will Cushman. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And so he was assistant principal yep, at the time. Yep. And uh, and Deanna Hearn. So Deanna, she mm-hmm. heads up the math tutoring piece. So we just sat down and said, Hey, okay. So what's happening, <laughs> right? What's what's going on with you? What what can, what can we do? We're neighbors here, mm-hmm. and uh, we want to see how we can how we can serve you guys and. And help you all as a school administrators be successful in helping these young people, you know, be prepared for their for their future and stuff. Um, so we just had a great conversation, and so you know, here we are, in our fourth year now. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and I think um, I think a lot of people, um, even people in schools, um, at least in a lot of school districts, really are wary about the 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 separation of church and state idea mm-hmm. and they um, they get nervous about about getting too close to partnership wise with churches mm-hmm. um, it's one thing I really appreciate about Fairfield Susan is they haven't been at least since I've been there haven't been fearful of that mm-hmm. you know it's it's been more um, it, it, we just we treat the churches very much like any other partner mm-hmm. that we would have in the community, and we look for okay, what kinds of strengths and um, and and resources can they bring to help our kids mm-hmm. and to help mm-hmm. our teachers? And um, you guys, as as a church, have some specific sort of skill sets, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, gr- groups of people who are passionate yeah. about particular things. Mm-hmm. I, I'm interested in, um, I, and I know the community would be interested in knowing what sorts of ministries or uh, community outreaches with the schools that the last couple of four years is, has really developed into. What, what are the sort of, what does a typical interaction look like that you have with Fairfield High and some of these other PSA and some of the other schools that you, that you guys now have full-fledged regular interactions with? Okay, yeah. Well, from from the very beginning, one of the needs that was mentioned was uh, was mentoring, mentoring. You know, some of the students have some challenging uh, home situations, family situations, and they're trying to do their best academically. And uh, you know, some of them lose motivation and all that. You know, they just they carry a lot, you mm-hmm. know, to the classroom. And so, to provide um, more positive adult uh, role models and positive influences in their life would be. Uh, a tremendous uh, benefit to them. Mm-hmm. So, so mentoring was one of those things. Math tutoring was another one, mm-hmm. uh, another need. And um, and, and so we, we said, okay, we can we can do that. We have people who would love to mentor young people, people who who know math. Like I'm not, I I was 
I did fine in school, but I'm not your guy today, <laughs> you know? Um, and so we kind of looked at a blend of where the needs that they mentioned and the gifts and talents we have in our church where they overlap. Mm-hmm. And so, so the first year we did math tutoring, we did mentoring, and we didn't want to leave the teachers out. So there is a particular um, ministry to them. We call it, there's there's two it's two two parts. So teacher support has two parts. One is hospitality. One is encouragement. So the hospitality piece serves breakfast and lunch. Um, and breakfasts work better for the Fairfield High campus, and though and their and their schedule lunches work better for both the Semiotto campuses. Mm-hmm. So one at Army for the Fairfield campus and the Armio campus and PSA. So every month there is a, there's a nice little spread, you know, homemade breakfast or or, or lunch for the teachers. Um, but the the math tutoring it, it evolved. I mean, as we it's a great idea. Then you begin to execute it and you say, okay, what are the challenges in actually helping getting kids, that, you know, connect them with the help? So we started off with, um, can we get the kids to come after school? Not so much. <laughs> right. right? Not so much. <laughs> it's um, tough. Yeah, it was tough. And then there were some classrooms that had substitute teachers who didn't know math. They're just substitutes. Mm-hmm. And some of the students were behind on some of their math things. So we're able to do the, the, the screening and live scan and fingerprint and all that kind of stuff and get tutors in the classrooms during class periods. Oh, okay. Yeah, so uh, it was so helpful because, you know, the kids were like, I mean, some of them, they're struggling. Then the mm-hmm. sub is limited, right. you know? Right. And so uh, at one time, the, the math tutors walked into the classroom and the, the kids stood up and, and applauded the, the tutors. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's yeah, cool. like, thanks That's for awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know? Hey. <laughs> so, so some of the students were, it was like October or something, and they're, they're behind, and they need to get from Module 2 to Module 4, something like that. Mm-hmm. And so they were able to, and some of them had been in Module 1 or 2 for months, um, and they were just stuck. Mm-hmm. With the help of the tutors, they went from 2 to 4. Mm-hmm. And some, so some of them improved in their grades, some of them improved in their, 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 their progression through that, and were able to do well by the time that December came and some of those tests and stuff came up. So, um, so that worked well as long as those particular tutors and their work schedule uh, that that worked out that way. Mm-hmm. And it, so when their schedules change, then that that kind of service changed. But fortunately, they're also able to get a math teacher in that particular classroom. So okay. so it wasn't as much of a need in school. Right. Um, so. Uh, and so then the mentoring, so we were trying to uh, pair up students with, with mentors, trying to uh, do a one-on-one kind of thing, a big brother, big sister kind of model. Uh, that didn't work out very well. Um, so we had trouble matching people and stuff like that. So long story short, uh, that idea has evolved into what we have now as on-site mentors. So similar to the math tutor um uh, Format, you know, mm-hmm. like on campus. So now we have we have mentors who go on campus uh, at Fairfield High School. They've got an office there uh, uh, next to some of the other staff members. They can talk to kids and and if kids are having trouble with whatever, now that now there's a person that they can talk to, mm-hmm. instead of them acting out in class. And now the teacher really can't offer that kind of one-on-one. Right. What's going on with you today? 
Mm-hmm. Can't do that. Well, now you can, because now there's a mentor who um, uh, who's gone through like our own security checks as well as your, your the school district mm-hmm. live scan and stuff to make sure that y'all you know we got some legit people in there, but who can mentor them and talk with them and 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 so some great, great, great stories that have come out of those mentoring relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the kids that were getting in fights quite a bit, um, you know, had stopped fighting and some kids who were part of some, you know, big fights or end up being, uh, uh, um, being friends because our mentor helped kind of arbitrate some stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so, so mentorship has been good. Uh, the math tutoring has evolved, like I said, and um, uh, so we're trying a different, a different approach this this semester, where Deanna is now d- directly working with the teachers on something called brain-based learning. Mm-hmm. So she owns her own um, Miracle Math Coaching downtown, yep. her own yep. business. So and that's she, Deanna Hearn. Deanna Hearn, right? yeah, yeah. So Miracle give her, Math Coaching. Give her a little plug. Yeah, she's, exactly. Yeah. She's awesome. Oh she's man, super involved I mean, in in phenomenal. community work, and yeah, and yeah. Uh, she's one of she's on our uh, um, our superintendent's council of parent leaders. Okay. Okay. Um, so, so we get to see her at least once a month at the district office meeting with ah, the superintendent. Okay, okay. She's yeah, she's great. Yeah. And she's got that org that um, um, I don't know, I don't know the tutoring organization mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. where she's where she's doing that. Yeah. So, that's her, that's okay. Her, that's her so she's like working she with uh, yeah. she's working directly with teachers. Yeah. She, she does collaboratives with teachers. She had done some things with uh, their uh, retreat coming uh, that you know prior to the school year starting. So now she's doing collaboratives with teachers and even some one-on-ones and stuff. And, and so uh, just coming like from a different angle mm-hmm. uh, and, and bringing some of the techniques that, that um, some of it that she's developed. I mean, mm-hmm. like it's like, you know, patented stuff. Yeah. I'm like, what? You like that? Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. She's, she's, <laughs> she's really good. Yeah. Yeah. She's she is. Really she's good. good. So, um, um, and it's, I want to kind of just interject a couple mm-hmm. of things here. Number one is um, people might be wondering um, what's up with having uh, a, a temporary teacher or substitute teacher for so long. Like you mentioned October, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, this is a real problem. It's something that we've, that we've dealt with in a lot of school districts, pretty much all the school districts mm-hmm. in the area are dealing with. It. it when a teacher goes out on extended leave, maybe mm-hmm. they've got a health problem or surgery, yeah. mm-hmm. or or they or even even if they um, decide to retire um, and and it was unexpected, so they didn't they didn't tell anybody they were going to retire the year before, but mm-hmm. um, they get into the summer. We expect they're going to come back, and then during the summer they decide I'm I'm going to retire, mm-hmm. um, which you know sometimes happens, or people. Um, or teachers leave and they go. Um, we have a lot of teachers who travel, who um, commute to come work here. Mm-hmm. We don't live in this area, um, and great teachers. And they, um, uh, because there is a teacher shortage, sometimes the last few years, especially, teachers have not had a problem finding uh, jobs close to where they live, and mm-hmm. then we lose them. Uh-huh. Right? And so. Um, a lot of times those things come up sort of last second or right at the mm-hmm. end of the summer mm-hmm. or even as the school year has already started. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it is difficult to find highly qualified teachers in July, August, mm-hmm. September mm-hmm. as the school year started because they're pretty much all spoken for at that yeah. point. They've yeah. already got their contracts. They've started school yeah. somewhere. 
And so that is a really difficult time mm-hmm. when we lose a teacher, we lose a group of teachers uh, to try to find somebody to, mm-hmm. to replace them. And so it's not that uncommon when that happens for, for us to have a substitute teacher for months. Mm-hmm. I had one time where my daughter, my oldest daughter, McKenna, was in eighth grade at Miguel Wilson. Mm-hmm. And um, that year she had two out of her six teachers where she had a substitute um, about a third, all the way to a third through the year Wow! before wow. they were able to get somebody in there permanently. Mm-hmm. So, and it's nobody's fault, right? right. I mean, it's yeah. just, it yeah. just, these things happen. Mm-hmm. And when they do, because there is such a teacher shortage and finding high, highly qualified teachers is difficult um, right now because of that, um, there does tend to be a prolonged period where we don't have a teacher in a classroom mm-hmm. and it really is a problem. It's a problem for students, Mm -hmm. um, for keeping up with where they ought to be. And so those mentors are are really um, filling a major need Mm -hmm. there, Mm -hmm. uh, or the the tutors Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. who are coming into class, especially with math, which is... You know, famous for you get behind and you're yeah. in big trouble, yeah, right? Snowballs. Trying to get yeah. caught up is very difficult unless you have some real some real help. Mm-hmm. And so, though that's where those tutors really fit a, a, an important need. And then the mentor thing, um, although it's challenging to get scheduling and all that that going, um, is such a big deal as well. Um, the more adults. Uh, well-rounded, helpful, kind, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. loving adults that that kids can have um, uh, good relationships with. The better chance that those students mm-hmm. have to 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 be successful and to do well yeah. in yeah. school. The more connections that they have right. with school, right, right. When somebody at school it cares mm-hmm. for them, mm-hmm. right, and 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 our teachers care. Obviously, they wouldn't do what they do. Um, if they didn't really care mm-hmm. about kids, but uh, at the, but you mentioned some of them have 30, 40 kids in a class, mm-hmm. and depending on what class that they're dealing with at the high school level, and so um, they can't always spend a lot of time mm-hmm. um, individually with students. They try, yeah, um, yeah, but they can't. And so the more people that we can have to be there to really uh, address the the relationship issues mm-hmm. and the, and the um, the background concerns, you yeah. know, where these kids don't have, sometimes don't have somebody to talk to. Yeah. Um, where they can get um, some of those emotional needs met mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that then they can get back to work, mm-hmm. you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and do the learning that they need to do yeah. as well. So those are two really big, um, big deals. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's something for all of our schools that we need more of and we're constantly trying to find mm-hmm. ways for, students to be mentored and have personal relationships yeah. with adults that are really helping steer them yeah. in good directions. And so I uh, just wanted to kind of interject that and make sure people knew, you know, it's that that we never want, you know, a substitute teacher hanging out for months yeah. in yeah. class. Yeah. But, but sometimes just the mechanics of mm-hmm. how it mm-hmm. all works makes it so that that happens. Yeah, and I, I can't remember what, for in this particular uh, classroom, and so I, th- I was just really grateful that we were able to kind of step in and help with that, mm-hmm. you know, and come alongside the administration to, to help the, the, you know, young folks be successful. Because, I mean, it's just, you guys are, it's, some things, it's, it's just limited. Yep. You know, it's just limited. And you know, like, like you're saying, it's kind of out of your control. And so it's like, well, what can we do as community neighbors 
to come alongside and help fill in some gaps in, in any way that we can. And so, yeah, it was just, it was great to just see, I mean, see people's, uh, young people's grades go from, from D's to B's. And uh, one, one of the uh, principals said that there was one student that they thought was just not going to graduate. Hmm. Like they, they were just for sure this student was not going to graduate. The mentors began to come in, made some serious connections with this young man, and he graduated early. Like not only graduated, wow. but he graduated wow. early, and um, uh, so just just over and over things like that. So when we hear those stories, man, we, we communicate that internally to the church. Like guys, look, like this is working, right? Right. We need more volunteers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. this is working. We're not just like spinning our wheels, but 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 real life change is happening, and uh, and that's what it's all about. And a lot of people can reflect on their own on their own lives. Either either they they can name somebody who made a difference in their life mm-hmm. or they wish they had somebody who would have spoken positively in their life and, and been that person. So there's a couple of reasons why people are motivated to step in and, and help out. So yeah, that's been cool. So we've just been glad to just be, for the doors to be open for us to be able to come and to, to do that kind of stuff. Um, we, we just did a fundraiser last, uh, which is what November. Yeah. And, uh, in September, the fundraiser in September, our adopted school campaign, mm-hmm. and so we raised uh, fifteen thousand um, dollars to, to to put into our, our schools that we have adopted, and so part of what we want to do is um, uh, develop school supplies closets. You know, like some teachers. You know, if you got students in your class and not all the students have the supplies that they need, and you know the student is just not going to be able to have to get it mm-hmm. right for whatever's going on, family, money, whatever. They're just not. But they're going to be behind. And teachers, uh, one research said that on average, a teacher comes out of their pocket seven hundred dollars in a school year. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, yeah. That. I'm like, wow. So, so what if what if there's a, a, a supplies closet mm. that uh, um, the teachers um, were able to just go to and just grab a few things and right. and give it to a student? Um, to be fair, now it, there is budget for that. Mm-hmm. In the school districts and a lot of people don't think there is but there is mm-hmm. I think what happens a lot of times is um, is our purchasing processes aren't always the fastest yeah. in the world mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you know we try um, we have a purchasing process where you know approvals have to be made although most of our supplies from like office depot type stuff can be can be gotten within a day or two mm-hmm. um, and and uh, and that sort of thing. So I, I think there is a, an, a feeling that that's a common issue. But I think sometimes, too, it's it's a situation where uh, staff want to get things done faster than um, and a little bit easier than um, than the processes sometimes let them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so um, at least a portion of that $700 on average a year might be them, you know, just being at Walmart or... <laughs> Whatever, yeah, and yeah. deciding, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna get some, yeah, yeah, you know, rather yeah. than go through all the rigmarole of getting it through, um, through the school. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's my defense of the schools. Yeah, yeah. But I know that, right? But some, yeah. but there's a, there is a sense out there, you know, that 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 teachers don't have, don't get money for supplies and stuff, and that's not that's not true, but. Um, 
but sometimes what they want mm-hmm. or what they need doesn't doesn't come as fast as they would like it mm-hmm. to, or, mm-hmm. or there's more hoops to jump through than they're than they're really wanting to jump yeah. through. Sometimes it's just more convenient for them to just buy some mm-hmm. um, and get what they want, and so and get it fast. So sometimes there's that, but I I. I uh, <laughs> well, we're not trying to be competition, <laughs> right? No, 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 not at all, not at all, not at all. And, and it's funny, you know, one of the things that. Um, we talk about a lot is is the role of community partners and in schools and 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 what we what we want our partnerships to look like you know i think in the past um and reasonably i think a lot of school districts have have gotten the um I don't know that the, the there's the idea a lot of times the communities have that school districts every time they're looking for partnerships it's just a code word for we want more money mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. <laughs> and so there's always like hey do you want to partner with us you know mm-hmm. a little sure. money yeah. um, and and I and Sheila um, McCabe who was my predecessor in the mm-hmm. position we mentioned her before mm-hmm. um, that was a real big pet peeve of hers. And so she really made it uh, one of her goals in the position, and I continue that on, to really look for ways to make sure our partnerships aren't that and that our yeah. asks of our partners are not primarily that. Yeah. that they are they are um, uh, more along the lines of what can we do for you and what can you do for us? What skills do you have Mm-hmm. Um, or or time or or other resources that you have that you can bring to bear to help kids, mm-hmm. and what can we in turn as a school district bring to you or your organization um, in partnership, mm-hmm. and really have it be a reciprocal thing. And she's been so great at, at blazing that trail and mm-hmm. making it be like that. That what I think is happening because of that is that that our, the community partners and organizations are tr- starting to trust us more, that we're not just coming looking for money, mm-hmm. but really we want more, we want their brains, we want their spirits, we mm-hmm. want, you know, we want yeah. their help truly as a, as a reciprocal thing um, to help in, in general with the students. And so she's done a great job of that, and I'm, I'm really um, trying to continue that mm-hmm. Um, attitude, and I think this is a good example of that. One of the things that I know that people would ask about this show and our involvement with Liberty Church and other churches um, around the community uh, would be, you know, why why bring a pastor into community conversations into a podcast that's based on the idea of getting to know your community leaders? Mm-hmm. If I'm not somebody who believes mm-hmm. what you believe. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm not somebody who necessarily wants to recognize you as a community leader. Mm-hmm. But I think it's important that people understand that that uh, that our faith-based community and our pastors and and the lay leaders, the people in the in churches um, who are um, who are doing ministry, what church would call ministry, mm-hmm. um, are leaders in mm-hmm. our community, mm-hmm. and uh, um, and they uh, the faith based part of our community is is an important glue. I think that that keeps our community mm-hmm. um, viable. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whether whether or not you believe um, what any particular church is 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 preaching mm-hmm. and teaching 
Um, I think it's important that our community recognize, and, I, and like our schools have, recognize the contribution that that churches make mm-hmm. um, to the sort of cohesiveness of the community at large. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I wanted to make sure you were on so that people could kind of hear um, what what at least your church is doing mm-hmm. uh, that isn't necessarily primarily about um, proselytizing your point of view in our schools, right. but it's really about um, using uh, the skills and the passions that the people that are in your church have mm-hmm. to just help. Yeah. Right. And so on, along that line, we had a conversation a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was after a meeting of pastors and um, uh, David Isom was right. there organizing that meeting. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, and the superintendent was there for the school district and, and the chief of police and the city manager. Mm-hmm. We're there, and we had this conversation afterwards that I thought was really interesting, and I kind of wanted to pull back the curtain and let the community okay. uh, get get a, a a sense of what what your your point of view is mm-hmm. on um, on these kinds of things. One of the things that I asked you about was uh, about in a sense, sort of uh, packaging up programs right that mm-hmm. you that you do that are that, that we have found helpful mm-hmm. as a school district um, and and sort of you know training other churches or showing other churches what you've done and I think I asked the question from the sense more of a of a you know how do you cookie cutter this thing right like how do you how do you take this and sort of boil it down to here's what you do to do the same kind of um, community uh, mm-hmm. outreach and community ministry and community help. And you had sort of a different spin on it. Um, when I when I asked you about that thinking one thing, you came back more with, um, uh, if I recall, it was more along the lines of um, rather than saying this was a program that we created because we we thought it was a good idea mm-hmm. that there was a lot more involved from the standpoint of seeking out the passions and the skills that your people had mm-hmm. first mm-hmm. and that that's going to be different for every every church organization Correct. for any yeah. organization yeah. so it would be kind of impossible to say all right so we have this lunch ministry that we do for teachers at mm-hmm. Fairfield High School mm-hmm. or a breakfast ministry or whatever um Here's here's the nuts and bolts of how you do it. Mm-hmm. Every other church you now do that with a different school, right? Right, and so you had a different point of view on how that comes together mm-hmm. that I thought was really interesting. Can you kind of share what what that was? Sure. Um, <clears throat> but before I do that, let me address kind of chime in on what you said earlier about what faith communities can bring and some of the apprehensions that some people have with mm-hmm. this whole faith community thing. Um, you know, when people have a concern about whatever the faith community is doing, oftentimes it comes from um, their a negative experience mm-hmm. that they've either seen from TV, you right. know, crazy people with religious motives or whatever, um, or even a personal experience that was that was bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think when the faith community is uh, is genuine to what its, its its faith really is, I mean, I mean, there are, there are people who can misrepresent anything. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I military, love military, place of order and all that. But we have folks who had DUIs in military, mm-hmm. right? There's drama everywhere. Right. <laughs> but because, you know, people are people, whether they're in their or church or faith community, whatever. And there's a whole lot of reasons for that. I mean, some are more, more mature than others. But but some can have negative experiences. Mm-hmm. And so a big part of what we're doing and other churches as well is letting the community know that done well and representing well the faith community is clearly an asset to the community at, at large. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot we can bring. And even if we, di- uh, we differ on what we believe about God or nature or whatever, there are a lot of things that we can agree on that we can work together on. So regardless if a person is Christian or Jewish or Muslim, I think we'd all agree we want kids to graduate from high school. Mm-hmm. I think we'd all agree we want crime to be lowered. I think we'd all agree we want kids to make positive choices. You know, so there's a lot of emphasis countrywide on things that divide us and all that, that we can overlook what um, those who um, have genuine goodwill towards the community can actually rally around together on and, and move forward to do. Um, so to your other question, another another church said, hey, we, we heard that, uh, we heard about Liberty Church and um, about your adopted school program and uh, we want to find out what, what you're doing and, and, and how, you're, how you're doing because we want to do the same thing. I said, you can't do the same thing. <laughs> that, let me stop you, you right there. Like, what? Why you would, you, why would you say that, right? Yeah. <laughs> Because, and I'm going to tell you, I mean, maybe other organizations are like that, too. Uh, oftentimes, people want to try to find a silver bullet to mm-hmm. make an, an impact, to growing their congregation, to growing their business, to whatever. What, what's a silver bullet? Like, right? mm-hmm. go to a conference or go to this or that. We hear about somebody's success, we try to duplicate it. Mm-hmm. And the reason why a lot of that stuff fails is because oftentimes a program cannot be duplicated but the principles behind the program can be duplicated. Mm-hmm. So programs aren't necessarily transferable, but principles are. So even with our own organization, we do breakfast at Fairfoot High, lunch at Semedo. Right. Because that's what works for those two contexts. And so, um, uh, and we do, so different, so from Fairfoot High to Semedo to PSA, we had different things that happened there. Uh, one of the things I didn't mention earlier is career speakers and career coaches. Person comes in and says, "Hey, I'm a nurse, and there's a probably a group of 30 uh, students in there to hear the the initial pitch of being a nurse." Mm-hmm. And then the person says, "Okay, how many of you are interested in learning more about being a nurse?" Right? Four or five hands raise up. Raise up. Okay. The following week, that nurse comes in and talks with those students for several weeks about what that particular career field. Um, we had an entrepreneur come in and do a class on entrepreneurship. You know, the That's students awesome. get a certificate at the end of it. I mean, the business plans or drafts and all that kind of stuff, right? So they get the certificate. So the, so the, the career coaches come in. So there's some things that we're, we'll, that if, if the principals want that, we do it at all the, all the different schools. Mm-hmm. And that, that's one of them. But, but that's uh, really dependent. And that's so dependent on, on that entrepreneur and that nurse, yes. you know, yeah. And, yeah. and what yeah. they want to do and, and their ability and, and their interest in doing mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Yeah. Right? So, so, um, some, some traditional planning and strategizing is, Hey, I've got a good idea. 
let's all get together and brainstorm something in this room, right? We might whiteboard it out and all that kind of stuff. Grab it down. What we're going to do in the school or what we're going to do when we go on a mission trip mm -hmm. to another place. We're going to bring this idea, this plan, this strategy, and, um, and that increases uh, the, the failure rate hmm. because what's not considered is the actual context that you're in. Hmm. And because something worked over here doesn't mean it's going to work over here. And so um, how, how, you, um, how you mentor people in San Francisco is different from how you're going to mentor people in New York because their needs are different. Hmm. Um, and, and even some, some, some cultural differences. You can't just, if I'm mentoring a young African-American male, there can be some different things that he might be experiencing that if I'm mentoring a young Asian male or a young Caucasian male, there might be some, so I can't go, oh, I've mentored people before, I'll just do what I did before. No, I gotta, I gotta learn about this kid. Mm -hmm. whatever, whoever the kid is, whatever's going on, I gotta learn about this kid, what's going on with you? So there are principles like listening that are transferable. Mm -hmm. There are practices like, um, oh, my last kid I mentored, we all we, we used to shoot pool together. We used to go bowling together. So every kid I mentor, I'm just gonna take them bowling. Like it's just one. See, from that, when we look at it individually, you can see it. Stuff doesn't transfer. Right, right. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, just yeah. copying stuff doesn't it doesn't mm -hmm. work. And so it's the same thing from a programmatic perspective, where you got to go in and say, what's happening here. And you're listening, you're listening, what's going on? What's the principal saying? What are teachers saying that's going on with the students and what are their needs? Then you come back and you say, okay guys, this is what's happening over there. This is what's happening. These are the needs that's happening over there. All right, what can we do? Oh, I wanna talk about this. I wanna talk about this. I wanna, I, can we do this? Can we do this? All right, so now let's match the need with the passions of the people. And so if you do that, then, um, the passion that's already there in the people that you didn't put there, you didn't have to. It's part of who they are. Mm -hmm. When you match that passionate person with a particular need, that's where your longevity is. Right, okay. Right, that's where your longevity is. Now I have to go, hey, remember you're mentoring today. It's right. your time. If it's an obligation, it's not gonna be a priority for you. It's gonna mm -hmm. fall off the radar. I gotta call you and remind you that's more work for me because you're not passionate. Mm -hmm. If it's a passion, you're gonna be telling me what happened. Right. Yeah. Like case in point, we got one lady. Her name is her name is Patricia. Um, she absolutely loves um, mentoring the kids. She comes from a finance background, so she talks to them about about accounting and about budgets and, and finance and, and and they do little little mock you know little scenarios. You know, mm -hmm. your rent is this much. You're making this much. What, what are you gonna do with this and that? I mean, she loves it. Um, I didn't know she was even at the school that particular week. She sends me a picture. Hey, this is what's happening. All these kids are in my class. Blah blah blah. Right, because when you're passionate, you're going to update me on your successes. Right. I'm not going to call you to remind you it's time to show up. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> right? So yeah, that's interesting. So if I, but if I create this big thing that's my thing, now i got to try to find people to man the thing. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, you're going to have problems. Yeah, you have problems. Yeah. And you, you might say yes because you like Pastor John. Right. But you're going to do it out of duty, out of obligation, and now i got to spin my wheels to make sure that I keep you excited. Mm-hmm. That's too much work. That makes sense. And I and I, I think that's how a lot of things work, I think, under the hood. And we don't a lot of times we don't expose that and really mm -hmm. kind of study it and go, mm -hmm. this is how things work, mm -hmm. right? And you know the, all of these things have to come together. Context. Mm -hmm. You mentioned context, passion. Mm -hmm. You have you have to listen to be able to find out what is the context. 
You have to be engaged with people to find out what are their passions. Mm-hmm. You have to expose the needs mm-hmm. so that, that the people who have the passions that match those needs are like, oh, I'm here. I'm ready. Yep. I want to do that. And so it, what it sounds like you're saying is that the Adopt-A-School program for a different church it is likely going to look very, very different, at least a successful one. It's going to look very different from church to church mm-hmm. and from school to school mm-hmm. because if they're doing that, if they're listening, looking for the context, finding out what the needs are at the school, and then matching those up with the real passions and the interests of their people, mm-hmm. then they're going to come up with their own sort of ministry spend that's really helpful and useful. Right. Right. And and that's going to be likely to be more successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's interesting to me because that that hits um, a more universal sort of concepts, right? Mm-hmm. And one of those things that we struggle with a lot in schools is is this um, the school model that's been really around for over a hundred years, yeah, yeah. right? And mm-hmm. that we've that we try to bust out of, we're trying to bust out of, but so much of our of our management of school mm-hmm. uh, as adults and the way that we know school is is so ingrained, it's very difficult to change. Mm-hmm. And yet we know these universal concepts are the same. There's this uh, um, I- I- idea that I have that I've been kind of working on and trying to get you know data to sort of support or, or or refute this idea that I have that we that somewhere in the neighborhood of maybe 20 to 40 percent of our students are passionate about and interested in academics mm-hmm. for academic sake mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and those are your kids that typically do really well in school yeah. right you'll, you'll have probably a section of them that are really passionate about academics. Mm-hmm. Then you have a section who do well in school because they figured out that that there's a connection between doing a strong enough connection between doing well in school and getting to where they are passionate about mm-hmm. or, or what something they are interested in. Mm-hmm. And so they've they've been able to make that connection strong yeah. enough so they yeah. do well in yeah. school. Other than that, you've got this other maybe forty to I mean sixty to maybe eighty percent mm-hmm. of kids who aren't really all that interested or passionate about academics. Right, right, right. <laughs> right? And, and they're interested and passionate about lots of different things, mm-hmm. right? But they've, they've, they're not interested or passionate about academics, which is okay. That, that's the other thing in mm-hmm. school. Mm-hmm. Our school structure has said that's not okay somehow. Like mm-hmm. it's yeah. like somehow that if you're not passionate or you don't do well in academics that you're going to be some colossal failure in right, life. Right, right, right. Um, we see that disproved all the time, right? Sure, <laughs> right. People who do really badly in school mm-hmm. and then do incredibly well in whatever it is, what whatever skills that they garner, or passions that they have, or interests that they have that they didn't really get to exercise in school, mm-hmm. but they do when they get out of school. Yeah, yeah. and then they do well in that area, right? Whether right. it be art or dance mm-hmm. or you know, um, you know, business mm-hmm. or entrepreneurship. Which we we don't see enough of mm-hmm. in school those mm-hmm. kinds of concepts right right um, and and we're so so I I I'm always playing with this idea of like maybe that's sort of the missing link of why we struggle with this group of kids that they're just like you know how am I going to use this in some way I care about mm-hmm. 
right? And when we can't yeah. make that connection, strong connection for them, they struggle. Yeah. You know, and it's not because they don't have the ability. I mean, they all have the ability mm-hmm. to, to do well. Mm-hmm. It's just they don't have the passions and the interests where our teachers are working really hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you were saying, to to keep them excited yeah. about a subject that they're just not naturally all that interested in. Right, right. Um, rather than trying to find ways to personalize learning mm-hmm. uh, to their interests, which would mm-hmm. require context and understanding where the background is, mm-hmm. and what things that they're interested in, and how do we make school uh, sort of feed that, right. that passion and that interest for kids. How help them see the relevancy of it. And, right. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things that Deanna does really, really well. Mm-hmm. So, so that's one of the things that she's talking with teachers about on how to make those kinds of connections so that that kids can be a little more engaged than in not seeing uh, why why does algebra have to make sense to me? Like, why is that relevant for my future? Right. If I'm gonna if I'm going to the NBA, or if I'm going to if I'm going to be a music producer, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm either going to be LeBron, I'm going to be Dr. Dre. I'm going to be Miley Cyrus, or I'm, I'm going to be YouTube famous right. or Instagram famous. Like, right. I don't need nothing. And about the worst thing you can do as a teacher or mentor is go, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. Like, right. Because that's, you know, yeah. it, you, it may be, you, you may think it's completely unrealistic. Yeah. And it may be yeah. um, completely unrealistic. Um, but at that moment in that time, that's their, that's where their interest lies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you, you shrug that off um, as a as a teacher or as a mentor, I think at your peril. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if you want to keep their attention, you've got to pay some attention to the things that they're interested in. Yeah, that because um, re- relationships is all about influence, mm-hmm. right? And so, as a teacher, they have adopted, they, they have embraced this career field because they want to influence young people. As a pastor influence right as a leader influence and so um the way you do that you you've got to begin how learn how to develop relationships and when people say things like that i'm gonna be an nba star i'm gonna be the, and they tell you their dream mm-hmm. they really just gave you a key to influencing their heart right right mm-hmm. they, they, that, that it's an intimate idea that they told you and if you shut it down that's why it hurts deep that's why it cuts yeah. deep yeah you know and for you not just to be a stranger but a person in authority person who's supposed to be helping them grow and develop and you just did the opposite right now you you can put yourself in the wrong category especially if you're in if a person some of the troubled youth already have that with their parents right person who's in a role should be protective should be nurturing should be taking care of them is the opposite Mm. is degrading them abusing them all that then they come to school and as a teacher just by going that's not going to happen they're like, what? Now you just you just put yourself in that category of people that are yeah. tuned out. So now they're listening to headphones in your class. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and and that yeah. and that math teacher, I think sometimes the difference, at least for me, you know, the difference between the the math teacher that I really I really loved and worked hard for and the one that I didn't when I was in school was the one that if you know when when I said I was really interested in baseball, mm-hmm. which I was at the time, and that that was what I played and I was interested in, in everything about baseball, was, was the math teacher who, who said, 
who baseball is the is the sport of statistics, man. <laughs> let's talk about uh, the, let's talk about the math in baseball. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Or you know, if your basketball is your thing as a kid, you know, let's talk about the geometry of putting the ball in the hoop. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, all the mm-hmm. all the things that it yeah, takes yeah, for yeah, you know yeah. for a good shooter. You know, why why is why are some shooters better than others? What what about that arch? You know, uh-huh. <laughs> you know what yeah. what are the mathematical properties of that? Yeah. You know, what do they know that other other players don't? Mm-hmm. And and so I think you know really and, and it's hard. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's a, it is difficult yeah. to be a teacher yeah. and to try to pay attention to all those uh, things. Mm-hmm. You you can't be an expert mm-hmm. in all those things. Mm-hmm. You just can't, mm-hmm. right? But but you can facilitate, you know, you can kind of step to the side and say and give room for the to help the student explore those things. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's kind of a major change that's happening in education right now is is the movement from from teachers being sort of well, what we would call the sage on the stage, uh-huh. right? The, the person oh, who yeah, yeah. has the information, they are the oracle of knowledge mm-hmm. and they stand up in front and give it, give mm-hmm. it, give mm-hmm. it to um, to the guide on the side, uh-huh. Uh-huh. which yeah. would be the person who kind of uh, doesn't worry about being the person who's always giving them the information, but instead asks the proper questions to get mm. their curiousness peaked, right, you know, and, right. and and then allows for them, helps them find the answers, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which is a, a difficult transition to make, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. um, for somebody who's accustomed to being somebody who lectures a lot. And there's nothing wrong with lecturing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, in a sense, preaching is is that, but yeah, yeah. sometimes, but but, but I, but I think it's a similar idea. It's, it's, it's why... I think in churches you you have a time for preaching, and then you have a time for for study for Bible study, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Where where there's typically um, interaction, yeah. and there's there's ideas coming from all sides, yeah. um, and the person who's leading a Bible study is really trying to be a facilitator. He's mm-hmm. got questions and ideas mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. some main points they want to kind of get in there, mm-hmm. but really it's about the entire group participating. It's no Bible study. Bible study is no good unless everybody's kind of yeah. in there, engaged you know, and really and talk, engaged yeah. and talking yeah. about what's really going on yeah. with them. So it's, it's different modes and we have to kind of hit all those things mm-hmm. in school. But I just think it's interesting always to see the parallels between that thinking about about how a church effectively um, engages with the community, and well, and and how and how we um, in schools um, can can move to more effectively engage with individual students. There's a lot of mm-hmm. interesting parallels there. Yeah, you know, I when it comes to volunteerism in, in the church, um, it. it some there there are some ministries that have volunteers that are just always excited every time you see them. Mm-hmm. I mean they're just and and uh, and then other ministries that always seem to need volunteers. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. You see already right. Yeah. So, <laughs> so there are so it's like okay there there are several factors there. One could be leadership. Mm-hmm. One could be the the necessity of the ministry. Maybe one is really just more important mm-hmm. and more more relevant, you know, than others. Maybe some, maybe this ministry is like, oh, it was good back in the day, but now it's not really a thing. Um, or maybe uh, this particular ministry 
has matched the ministry need with the passion of the people. Mm-hmm. So these people are always they're always passionate here, and this one has people who are always, um, you know, hey, can you serve next week? You're like, well, I'm about to pick up my kid. Well, but okay, I love Jesus, and it's probably bad to say no, so right. I'll do it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you got me for a week, okay? And then yeah. next, hey, listen, so and so didn't show up. Can you? So, so serving out of passion is more fulfilling for who you're serving, the person serving, um, and versus serving out of obligation or a sense of duty. Mm-hmm. So, whether it's volunteering, whether it's a job, yeah, right? effective leadership yeah. looks like that. It, it does anywhere. You know, right? Jim Collins would say, have the right people on the bus. And make sure that they're on the right seats on the bus. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, so, whether you're hiring, whether you're volunteering, you want to really match people's whatever the the purpose of that ministry or or function is. There's a need that's being met there um, with the people who, who are serving. And so, it's yeah, our our yeah. guy who oversees the hospitality, the food part, mm-hmm. um, he's a chef. That man loves. His name is Justin. Justin Finkelstein. Mm-hmm. He loves to cook and he's good at it, right? He, he's the one that cooked at the the uh, awards there. Yeah. Oh, that was amazing. I know, right? He, <laughs> yeah. He, you know, that's great. I've had some of his other cuisine that's been amazing, but I hadn't, hadn't even experienced that. I mean, the dude, just he's got it. So, so for four years, every month, he's serving at a school. Mm-hmm. Him and his team. I mean, they're prepping on Sunday. They're they're then. They prep stuff on Sunday afternoon, for example. They're at the church at 5 o'clock to make sure everything else is prepped. They go over to the school to set up. They're serving breakfast. Wow. Yeah. Right. And I never have to say, hey, Justin, remember, tomorrow is the day. No, because he's the right person. He's right in his lane. He loves it. He's great at it. He's great with his volunteers. He's great with the teachers. Good report to teach. I mean, he just... He's just a phenomenal guy, mm-hmm. um, and 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 the serving that capacity, it just so that's and so four years later, he's still the person leading it, right? Yeah, for the team, and because of the right people and the right vein and all that kind of stuff. And he's probably brought ideas to it and done things with oh, it yeah. that you would have never even yeah. thought of. He right? comes up with the menu. He, he right. sends it out to the team. Hey, this is what our menu is, and I'm. You're like, you go. I'm like, yeah, I'll be there for that one. Yeah. You know, your chowder, your what? I'm coming for the chowder, man. It's interesting, you know, because I think that concept is so universal. Um, in in work, we have we have an advantage, too. I think it um, in schools, what we do and the mission of what we do is 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 um, almost almost to the level of of church it's spiritual and very you know like what we do is so important mm-hmm. so it's I in some ways I think it's easier we have an advantage when we get people who work in our in in our schools and I was the director of technology so I really practiced this with the 40 employees that we had in that department um, where I could sit them down and really when they first came into the department and ongoing, talk to them about what it is that we do and why it's important mm-hmm. and that it's not about the technology, right? It's about the students mm-hmm. and it's about um, preparing them to be great people, mm-hmm. great citizens. Mm-hmm. And um, that we have a, an important piece in that and, and that um, it, that's something worth getting up every morning and coming to work for mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and doing your best job. You know, it's about them. It's not about money you make or mm-hmm. anything like that. It's really about that mission. And 
and and likewise, sort of the reverse of that is I've had times where we've had people who just aren't doing a very good job, you know, and and uh, we in schools we we I kind of find this as almost a blessing in a sense. In in government organizations, it's very difficult to fire somebody. It's just not. It, it's not it. You, you they literally almost have to break the law big time mm-hmm. in order for them to be fired. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very difficult once they become permanent to to you know fire someone, and so that's because that option is sort of taken away <laughs> in a sense that this sort of leadership really works a lot better mm-hmm. because I've had uh, I've never had anybody that I've that I've fired as a leader in you know 14 years of being a director. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had plenty of people that we've moved on. F- either out of the organization or to another role mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the organization because I've, I've always been able to sit down with them. We had had an, garnered enough trust over building a relationship and that they trusted me to know that, that I was really interested in how things are going for them personally mm-hmm. and whether or not they're in the right place to use their skills and mm-hmm. their passion and, and that they're doing something that they're, they're passionate about. And most often what I'd find is if they're not doing a very good job, it's probably because they're not that interested or passionate mm-hmm. in what they're doing yeah. or yeah. they're just mismatched skills wise with that role. Yeah. And, and so if we have another role that we can put them in, that's better for them. Mm-hmm. We find a way to put them there, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. say, Hey, look, this is what I'm noticing is you're not doing a great job and I'm concerned about you. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm concerned that maybe you're not in a role that really takes advantage of what you have to give mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and maybe you're just not happy right? yeah. if, you, if you're not happy if you're not fulfilled yeah. doing what you're doing yeah i want to get you in a situation where you can be because that's where you want to be I mean, right. you don't you don't if if this isn't a place where you can be fulfilled you need to go somewhere where you can be. right yeah you know and and we've had people that i think a lot of a lot of people would have tried to fire if they had that as an option but I was able to sort of gracefully move them into another situation yeah. and talk them into it because they were like, yeah, I'm not very happy. <laughs> I'm not fulfilled well, and I could do better and, and I could be in a better situation. And then I, as a leader, it was my commitment then to help them get there. Mm-hmm. Where, whether that meant that they moved on to another organization entirely or if I helped them move into a different role that yeah. was really more suited yeah. to them. Well, that's a more people-focused um, approach and so when people are more task focused then it's all about the task and getting it done if you can't get it done get somebody here who can get it done right and the, the more people focused uh, approach um, looks to the person and says what's going on with you what's 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 happening is this mm-hmm. the right fit are you passionate about this is this you know what's going on um, and and seeks the win-win for the person and the organization and so so yeah, I think that was a that's, that's a good. To one. me, it's like the, the sort of the people oriented. It to me is really leadership, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the task oriented is more like management. Management, absolutely, right? absolutely. <laughs> but, and there's a place for management. Yeah. I mean, you got to get stuff done. Yeah, right. Um, there's a place for that, but um, but I I think management is better practiced on things. Mm-hmm. And leadership is best practiced on people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> With people, yeah. you lead people, you manage things, right? Kind right, of, manage things, lead you know, people, manage tasks and stuff. So yeah. I think, well, and and there are different leadership stuff. Like transformational leadership is one of those really. It's um, you know, 
it's kind of a newer thing out there now with businesses and military and maybe even education, even churches, where it, it's a different style that stands out because it's more people focused than things like transactional leadership. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tra- you know, if you, if you do well, I'm going to reward you with a bonus, like the transaction. They right. really care in front of you, right. hopefully to get you to perform, versus some of the uh, components of transformational leadership like um, like individualized uh, motivation you know, mm-hmm. or inspiration. Um, and so motivating people through inspiring them versus, uh, and, and you know, with a clear vision and this is what you can be a part of, um, or helping f- solve problems with um, uh, an individualized approach. Like, what's going on with you, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, if I got a staff of 10 people, I'm not gonna say, if you guys do well, whoever does well, I'm gonna give them a Starbucks gift card. That's general, right? Mm-hmm. Well, if eight people in your team don't even like Starbucks. <laughs> right. That's not a reward. Right. You don't know that because that's not your leadership style. Right. A transformation leadership leadership style says if you, I'm not, I'm gonna give a gift card, and I don't even know what gift card is till I know who wins. <laughs> okay, there you go. Right. Yeah, because it's totally yeah. dependent you know, on I'm who might, it is. I might get Applebee's for you. I might get Real mm-hmm. Apps, I might get Home Depot for you. I might right. get Jumbo Juice for you. Yeah. It's an it's an individualized kind of kind of thing. Or. It might not even be a gift card. It just might be a public recognition. Right. You know, maybe you're a words of affirmation kind of person. Yeah. You know, the five love language, Gary Chapman thing. Same thing works in business. Mm-hmm. Every, the same thing doesn't motivate everybody else. Right. So yeah. someone just might just want words of affirmation. You were amazing the way you handled this particular project. That's way more to them than a gift card. Yeah. Save 25 bucks if you know that. Who did, who did that with you, John? I mean, I... It, Clearly, you don't get to where where you are with this thought, with these ideas, without having mentors and um, people who've done that sort of thing for you. You know, I would say first, first was my dad. Hmm. Yeah, and I think generally speaking, parents know you, you gotta love your kids equally, but you do treat them differently. You yeah. know, so I saw it with him, but then I began to to see it. Uh, outside of that with with um, one guy's name was Chaplain Keith my very first supervisor at my base in Utah Chaplain Steve Keith man he was just awesome so multiple different chaplains that he knew we just needed different things mm-hmm. he knew some of us needed look I mean just clear direction this is what I need you to do like without him telling you what you need to do they're just not going to do well and others he was like the goal I want accomplished for me like for example in the dorms all the airmen I want to see more of them over here. That was it. He let me figure out the rest, right? So I came up with the pizza parties and mm-hmm. and the, those kind of things. And so, um, so he was one of those people that just it, it, it really great leadership, All right? So I, I pulled different things from different different mentors. Mm-hmm. I can remember so not just my dad, but Dr. Lee Brown when I was at a church in Memphis, Tennessee. That said, like Chaplain Keith when I was at in, in Utah. After him, Chaplain Therese Erickson. After him, um, and then um, uh, some other people. So, but then I'm also studying it. Yeah, so I'm, I'm in the middle of my doctoral dissertation, and I'm talking about transformation because I didn't know what okay. to call it then. Okay. I, I mean, I experienced it. I didn't know what to call it. Mm-hmm. So even though I was trying to model some of that, mm-hmm. and so when I discover what it was, that's why I'm doing my paper on it because I'm like, okay. Let me understand how to communicate about this mm-hmm. more, and so I can teach this because more people need to do it. And so I was, so yeah, so researching it. That's why I, you know I would say I know other people who I've never even 
experienced personal life with, like Dr. King, transformational leader, you know, Gandhi, mm-hmm. um, different people like that. But uh, but yeah, but yeah, I, I've I have had a lot of great mentors, and so that's and, just yeah, and I think I, I think people um, sometimes I think students too, you know, is there they hear that concept of a mentor um, early on, they have the idea that, that well, I just got to get me one good mentor, right? But it's not, I, I think your your case is really um, a, a, good, a good picture of what uh, true growth is over time is, is that you're going to pull things, different things from different mentors because mm-hmm. different people have different strengths, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes um, those strengths are, well, all the time, they're, they're often different sets of strengths than yours are. Sometimes they're there to sort of round you out a little bit, help you see some things that you couldn't otherwise see by yourself. Yeah. Other times they're, they have similar strengths as you and they're building up the strengths you already have. Mm-hmm. Um but but yeah, it takes when they say it takes a village, right? It, it really does. does. And it, yeah. as a person to who is really interested in in growing, you you have to sort of seek out over a period of time different people who can who yeah. can speak those things into your life. And, and what you just said is key. Um, these mentors they didn't just fall into my lap. I was looking for them. Mm-hmm. You know, looking for them, and when I found them. I latched on to them, and they, they latched on to me. Hmm. I mean, we were like this. <laughs> we were like this, you know. And um, I just gleaned from the different seasons of my life. There were different mentors that just poured into me. And um, and, and they saw something in me that that, they, that needed to come out, hmm. you know. So they challenged me. They encouraged me. They All this stuff. And so so sometimes people look at, at some of the successes that have happened in my life and go, oh, man, you're blessed, you're this. And you're just gifted or talented. Like, yeah, you don't. You have no idea. Yeah. You have no idea. Like, no. You know. I mean, I'm not like all this. You know, perfect or anything. But, but the success I've had. I mean, I can. If you ask me about something you see that you like about my life, I can probably point to you where I, somewhere I got it from. Yeah. You know, a person who who taught me that. Mm-hmm. And so there's an accumulation of all these different leaders and stuff, and it's just been, this been phenomenal. I mean, it's just. So that's why I have a passion for it. Yeah. So I mentor people myself and, you know, this kind of things. And I'm just like, I just, you, 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 you go further faster when you have somebody who can help you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So that's what I want to see for like these students, you know, and to really overcome some of the challenges that you just need somebody could come alongside you and show you that there is a reason to hope again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then what's inside you, it'll, it'll come out, but it's been buried by junk. You know, oh yeah, life jump, but it's there. Yeah, and um, and yeah. we see kids like that all the time. That that uh, it seems like the adults in their life at school have seen nothing but trouble mm-hmm. from from these students, and they get um, the right relationship with the right mentor, a group of mentors, or something connects, and you see all of these beautiful things start coming out of them, mm-hmm. right? That you're like, whoa, where did that come from? Right. It was always there. Yeah, yeah. Right? But but you and I both had the the great fortune of having um, steady, solid dads in our lives, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, I, and, and a, lot of, a lot of kids don't have that. Mm-hmm. A lot of kids don't have a mom. A lot more kids don't have a dad mm-hmm. that's hanging around that's really providing that base mentorship. Yeah. 
for them. And, and I think more often than not, we're talking about boys. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting. I, I, I did a, <clears throat> I did a, got, got a data report recently from uh, GPAs from last year mm-hmm. for our school district. And um, we, we collect GPAs. For, we, we do GPAs, grade point averages for fourth grade through 12th grade. Before fourth grade, it's all standard-based grade, grade reports. So mm-hmm. there's no like A, B, C, D. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's no GPA to calculate mm-hmm. until they get into fourth grade. Yeah. But um, I got this report that kind of uh, gave me a spread of, you know, how many kids last year were 3.5 GPA and above? How many were 3 to 3.5? Mm-hmm. And then two, you know, broken down in 0.5s mm-hmm. um, from fourth grade to 12th. And then we broke them down by male-female because mm-hmm. I was interested in, in the difference. I had some intuition about it, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I had never actually looked at the data. And, and we pulled that out. And what was really interesting to me was that um, the the GPAs uh, sort of stayed level um, across the board from fourth through eighth grade. I, I kind of figured I'd, we'd see a downward trend from fourth all the way to twelfth, that it would be pretty even. Mm-hmm. But what we saw was uh, GPAs were pretty st- steady um, at a certain point, um, or at least 3.0 and, and above. So I was looking at the percentages. And we had like 55% of kids were 3.0 and above um, from fourth grade to eighth grade. Mm-hmm. And then in ninth grade, they take this huge hit and it goes way down, mm-hmm. right? And about 20% mm-hmm. wow. down on average. And then and then in 10th grade, they, it, they inch up a bit. In 11th grade, they inch up a bit. In 12th grade, they inch up. So they, it kind of goes like this, bam. And then it never reaches the the fifty five percent level that mm-hmm. it was fourth or eighth, but it uh, you know it gets a little better as they sort of figure out high school, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I thought that was interesting. But the thing I thought was really interesting was that that when you broke out the boys and the girls, the girls were constantly from fourth grade all the way to twelfth were were fifteen percent higher than the boys. So 15% more girls got 3.0 and above than boys in every grade level all the way huh. down. So, so, you know, where the girls in fourth grade through sixth grade were in that 60 to 63% range, the boys were like 45 mm-hmm. to 48% mm-hmm. 3.0 and above. And then when they hit ninth grade, they both take a dive by about 20%, and the girls go down to about... 40 and get 3.0 and above and the boys go down to 25%. And then they wow. both creep up. But wow. but no matter what they did, they stayed there was a 15% gap there between them all the way. So what do you make of that? <laughs> <laughs> so well, I I'm not the expert to, oh, okay. you know, but I can but well, I mean, so I was just an observation. You just it was an observation that that fits with the intuition that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, I I can't say I know exactly why that is, mm-hmm. um, but I but I can say what what my feeling is. And again, this is my opinion, mm-hmm. not the opinion of our school district, uh-huh. right? But it is my opinion, and I and and I have not been a teacher in a classroom. I I come from an operational perspective mm-hmm. in schools, but I've worked in schools for twenty three years. Um, 
But I have an experience as well Mm -hmm. in schools that jives with this. And to me, we have a, um, and and this might be a little bit um, controversial, Mm -hmm. you know, my opinion. So I'm just going to give it, and I'll probably take some flack for it, but it's (laughs) it's what I think. Mm -hmm. Um, I had mentioned before that school, the way we do school with desks generally in rows and mm-hmm. and periods with bells and and you know okay now it's time to go here and now it's time to go here mm-hmm. we're gonna and and sort of learning subjects in silos mm-hmm. and doing all of these things was something that was designed for a different age it was designed in the 1800s for the industrial age to 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 train people how to follow in directions and, and, and to do wor- yeah. do you know to, to work in factories. Mm-hmm. And we're not in that age anymore. We're mm-hmm. in the information age, and people need to be a lot more creative and be able to figure out their own, uh, fi- figure out, you know, solve problems mm-hmm. on their own. And, and that's what, you know, a lot of companies want of people mm-hmm. coming mm-hmm. out, <laughs> yeah. right? That's what we all kind of want. Um, but we have a system that doesn't, it, its structure doesn't really lend itself to that mm-hmm. at all. And And furthermore, I would say that um, that that structure is very much. I've always called it "sit down, shut up, and listen." <laughs> it kind of has a tendency to say, "Okay, you know, sit down here, be quiet, don't you know, keep your hands to yourself." Mm-hmm. You know, there are certain things that that we um, over over many years have said this is acceptable behavior, and mm-hmm. this is the way things ought to be. When the teacher's talking, everybody be, is quiet. That happens an awful lot mm-hmm. in schools. Um, and and I think um, the way that that girls, the female, the female brain and um, and and emotional mm-hmm. um, sort of structures work a lot better with that mm-hmm. than than the male does. Um, you know, I've got three daughters, so I guess I'm an expert in that sense. That <laughs> seen them grow up, they were they were much more compliant at a young age mm. than your typical boy was. And I've seen a lot of boys at young ages, and they're not nearly as compliant. They tend to be, <laughs> uh, you know, little Tasmanian devils. You know, they're running around. They're they're active. They want to grab stuff. They want to do stuff. They want to, you know, these are natural things that you see behaviors coming from them mm-hmm. at an incredibly early age. Mm-hmm. And not something that can be explained by, you know, we teach them to be that way. There are differences. Mm-hmm. And I think those differences really... Um, show up in that GPA, in those GPA data. Mm-hmm. Because, because it's not like, it's not like the, the, the boys catch up with the girls mm-hmm. as they get older and figure out this system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it disagrees with them somehow in a way that it doesn't with girls mm-hmm. quite as much. Mm-hmm. All the way down from fourth grade all the way to 12th grade. Yeah. That, that gap remains the same. And I thought that's wow. very interesting. And, and we don't, uh, we talk a lot about achievement gaps. We talk a lot about achievement gaps um, with with kids who are so socioeconomically disadvantaged. Mm-hmm. We talk about you know the kids that don't have as much money at home mm-hmm. um, don't do as well as the kids who do. That's a that's a fact. Mm-hmm. Um, at least from the measure of achievement that we use, which is mm-hmm. testing and that sort of thing. Sure. Yeah. Um, and that's a whole other subject, but but uh, but for what the me- the way that we measure it right now, there are definitely gaps, and there are gaps between 
um, you know, different races of kids and the cultures that they that they grow up in. It matters, you know, mm-hmm. whether or not um, parents are engaged with them at a mm-hmm. very young age, mm-hmm. reading to them, and those sorts of things make a difference, mm-hmm. um, a big difference in how kids do when they get into school. And so all that stuff is real, mm-hmm. right? But we never talk about the uh, an achievement gap between boys and girls, <laughs> Gender, huh? yeah. you know, which is kind of interesting how mm-hmm. spark it was when I saw it. I thought, oh my goodness, <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah, and it was that stark and it was that constant mm-hmm. all the way down through the grade levels. So uh, beyond mm-hmm. that, I don't really know what to make of it. Yeah, um, uh, but I've been bringing it up to different people. I think it makes everybody a little uncomfortable because it's a different dimension. And a different look than what we're accustomed to doing, which mm-hmm. is really making sure that we're giving more time and, and in a sense, more resources mm-hmm. to those kids that we know are gapping, mm-hmm. are struggling, um, because they come they come to our schools with, with um, major trauma. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got kids who come to school and they don't know where they're getting their next meal except mm-hmm. for school. Yeah. They, we get kids that come to school... And, um, you know, there's been violence in their home mm-hmm. the night before yeah. or the day that they, you know, that morning then they yeah. left. Yeah. And we expect them to, you know, get good grades, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Like they've got bigger things to worry mm-hmm. about, many mm-hmm. of them, mm-hmm. right? And, and we are very focused on those things, which mm-hmm. we should be. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you bring in something like this where it's like com- coming from a completely different Trajectory, people don't quite know what to do with it. Yeah. Because it's all boys. It's all boys versus all girls. And there's this gap. And it's like, whoa, interesting. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know. But I I have a sense that, that, that passion can have something to do with it if that we can kind of connect to student passions. It just so happens that things that, I think that boys are interested in mm-hmm. a lot of times are not as easily compatible with the structures that we have at school mm-hmm. um, as far as connecting it to grades yeah. and to work that they have to do yeah. um, as, as girls are um, in general. Mm-hmm. You know, there will always be girls that, that don't do well. Um, it, we're all talking about percentages here. There will always be boys that, that rock it. Yeah, right, you know, yeah. that they're straight A students or yeah. whatever. It just appears that the percentages right. are lower right. for boys than there are for girls. So, just an interesting thing, you know. Mm. I, I don't know what the I don't know what to make of it, but whenever we we look at stuff like that, it's it, it puts another wrinkle in in what I would say is a very <laughs> messy business already, which because yeah. it's all about people. Yeah. And and people are messy, right? Yeah. And 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 beautiful. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, and and full of potential. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Wow. So I I was a substitute teacher at an elementary school for about um about a year and a half. And mm-hmm. uh so the principal was my pastor's wife. Oh, okay. I mentioned earlier Dr. Brown when I was in, mm-hmm. in Memphis, Tennessee. That's the church I went to. His wife was a principal of elementary school, and so, you know, went through the, all the uh, whatever I had to do to get, you know, able to be in the classroom and, and all that. And, and I, uh, yeah, I, I still carry with me today a different appreciation for teachers because of that experience. Yeah. It's a whole new world. Oh, like, it all, is. All these kids that you, you're having to deal with the results of other people's parenting. 
Oh, yeah, 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 and right. that varies. I mean, on the scale, it goes from one yeah. end of the spectrum to so the other for sure. There's all these different personalities, the results of parenting, and just like what? So that was just elementary. So I mean, from second to fifth grade, you know, but high school is obviously a little different, but well, majorly different. So yeah, I just. I, I do have a special place in my heart <laughs> for Tia. If we can help you, let us know how we can help you. Oh man, let me let me let's bring in some mentors and tutors. Let's take some of this off your hands and and just you know we'll cook breakfast and lunch just to help make your day brighter. Um, yeah. It, well, it, it, it is it is helpful. I mean, it is it is helpful and. Um, it's a difficult job. It's a struggle mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, for them. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, we try to be as understanding as we can about it. Um, uh, you know, one of the things that we've been talking about a lot recently is, is attendance, uh, mm-hmm. not only of our students, but attendance of our staff. And, uh, <laughs> you know, when, when you look into the data and you find out that, that um, people are just not there as much as you think they are. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's an opportunity at that point, right? Going back to that leadership concept we talked about before, to you can you can manage, mm-hmm. right? And you mm-hmm. can say you need to be here more, right. and we're going to make sure that you are, and and whatever it takes, and what's your reason? I need doctor's notes, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that sort of thing. Or there's an opportunity to lead. And the leadership looks more like, you know, I noticed you, you've been gone, you know, for three Fridays in a row, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, are, is everything okay? Mm -hmm. I mean, is there something that I can do for you? Um, Because usually that doesn't happen unless you're stressed Mm -hmm. or you got some health problem or you got some, something going on at home that is Maybe work is fine, but what's going on at home is impacting mm-hmm. what's going on at work. And, and that, you know, the best way to approach that is almost always trying to find out what the context of those absences are and, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, throwing out some understanding. Yeah. And then figuring out, like, how can we make this better? Mm-hmm. Um, because the kids need you here, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, and just like we want them here, yeah. you know, we, they really want you here. Right. We want you right. here. So that's one of those things that we've been tackling lately. And I know that, um, you know, from a leadership perspective, um, even even uh, sort of caring uh, uh, reach outs can mm-hmm. sometimes feel um, for people like like it's a slap on the hand instead mm-hmm. of instead of an actual genuine. I'm really interested in right. in knowing. Yeah. How, you know, how things are going mm-hmm. with you and, and if there's something that we can do better mm-hmm. to help you yeah. be here more. Um, really interesting situations that, that we have and um, difficult situations. I think a lot about that. And I, I know our, our uh, other leaders in our organization really think a lot about about what we can do to make our our, inf- our atmosphere better. Mm-hmm. Um so, so that that people can, um, uh, you know, people can trust and confide, yeah, in us mm-hmm. in a way that's non-threatening, and, mm-hmm. and that we can then help them sort yeah. through some of those things, and 
and get them on track. It's, it's interesting. I think a lot of people from the outside, I've seen comments like this too, where people from the outside go, you know, well, gosh, those teachers only teach, you know, they only work like 180, 190 days a year, you know, out of 365. Like, what's the problem? Like, you get the whole summer off, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. But, you know, the reality is, is that's not exactly true. Mm-hmm. Um, many, many, many teachers... I'd say most teachers are probably doing a lot of prep work during mm-hmm. the summer and they're actually working. They're just not working with students directly. Mm-hmm. And some of them are. Some of them are doing summer school and right, right. other yeah. things. So yeah. they actually add to their, their contract and, yeah. and do work more. Um, and But when when their vacations, so, so to speak, are set on a calendar mm-hmm. ahead of time for them, mm-hmm. um, for them to be gone during the times when they're supposed to be at school, when all the kids are at school, mm-hmm. is is really challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, sometimes you're sick. You know, sometimes right. you have things going on. Sure. Yeah. Um, so it's it's really interesting. I think it's easy for some people to to kind of be down on teachers about you know about that. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of stress, mm-hmm. and there's a mm-hmm. lot of you know when you 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 if you've never been in a classroom, if you have a bachelor's degree, um, come substitute. <laughs> for Just to do yeah. it for a day. Do it for a day. Yeah. You'll find out yeah, like how much degree. your legs hurt at the end of the day because yeah. of how much you stood up, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. energy that, that you put in, um, you have to put in in order to get energy out mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. them. And then sometimes the energy that is literally sucked from you. Mm-hmm. Um, Front with the with the concerns and the problems that the students have mm-hmm. that they're dealing with yeah. is is a whole different ball game than working in a regular work atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's not really a clock in and clock out kind of thing. <laughs> no, no, it's you not. take a lot of stuff uh, with you, you know, because you just have a genuine concern for these kids, you know, and so it's like it can be very emotionally taxing. Yeah, so it's, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, I don't. We better hang it up, man. It's like uh, it's been an hour and fifteen minutes, or some hour and twenty oh, wow. minutes. Okay. So, <laughs> <All right. laughs> but you know, that's that's why we call it community conversations. Mm-hmm. Is we want it to just be a conversation where we're kind of talking over ideas and mm-hmm. and things that are going on. And um, if I, I've I've said from the beginning. Uh, you know, I'll shoot for an hour, but if it goes for an hour and a half because the conversations are good, then so be it. Right? <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. I'm good with that, you know, and I'll just put it up there and people want to watch, they'll watch. Yeah. If not, they won't. And that's yeah. okay. Yeah. Too. But some people have watched and they've enjoyed it. So anyway, thank you so much for uh, spending the time yeah. with me. I well, sure appreciate thanks it. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for watching. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Hopefully, um, hopefully this will be something that kind of enlightens people just a little bit mm-hmm. as to what's uh, what's coming out of uh, the leadership of our faith community, mm-hmm. uh, faith-based community right here in Fairfield and in Solano County. Uh, and I'll be getting to more pastors of different kinds of churches. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and the people in the churches who are leaders at the in the churches are are leaders in our community. You know, yeah, and, and yeah. our uh, I mentioned David Eisen. He's mm-hmm, he's our mm-hmm. board school board president. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. he's a full time pastor mm-hmm. um, of a church here in town. So and like and John Butcher, he he pastors uh, uh, the Building Christian Fellowship in Sassoon, mm-hmm. and so they've adopted uh, I think it's Crystal. Yes. Yeah. 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 They've adopted crystal. Yep. Yeah. And so, um, 
yeah, they're doing some cool stuff over there, and, uh, and and not just the schools, but even some cool stuff with the police department and stuff. So it's yeah. more and more, it's, you know, there's a lot of good people in, in churches and a lot of, a lot of, um, uh, um, a lot of intellectual capital, mm-hmm. uh, uh, relational capital that's there, just connections. It's a great resource. So people who, um, people who genuinely love God for real are going to be a blessing to the community, no matter what community they're in. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, I agree. Yeah. And so you have been, have been a huge blessing to us. So I sure well, appreciate thanks. you. I appreciate it, man. Thank yeah, you. Thanks, yeah. And thanks for letting us use this space. Too. Oh, absolutely. Really absolutely. appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks. Yep. Till next time. Till next time. <laughs> <laughs>